Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Laterally to open up holes in the defence to, to try and score through. So it's a bit like playing playing chess on a rugby pitch. Rugby Coach Weekly presents The Coaching Knife, where we cut to the root, cut out the fluff and challenge the masters of their domain to cut to the chase. In this episode, we speak to Sammy Phillips, a general manager and head of elite coaching at England Touch Rugby. Focusing on the benefits of Touch Rugby, we're going to cut to the root on why Touch Rugby isn't Rugby Touch. Sammy, are you ready for the knife? I think so. (laughs) Excellent. Why is Touch Rugby different to Rugby Touch? Well, we've, um, those of us who've played rugby will often do something like uh, rugby touch to warm up for a game of rugby. So um, as a pulse raiser or just to kind of start communication and and getting your handling warmed up and and then go into a a rugby session. Uh, However, touch rugby, as I know it, as the international version of the game is uh, is a game in its own right. It's its own sport and it's played. Uh, across a, a number of countries globally. Uh, we have our own governing body, the Federation of International Touch, uh, who we all affiliate to, and we have regional and in, regional international competitions and the Touch World Cup, which is attended by uh, around 50 countries. So when we start to play a game of touch rugby, we normally have some various little uh, rules that we, we throw in, but the game is different. So what makes it that much more different to the pickup game of touch rugby that you might play before you get into a real game of, uh, into the real training, say, of a normal rugby session? So for, for touch rugby, the rules are, are slightly tighter than the, the rugby touch version. So for example, when, when you are touched, you can't overstep the mark. You have to go back to where the touch was made and and do the roll ball there. So place the ball on the ground and step over it. Um, and when you make a touch, normally when you're playing rugby touch, you just kind of make a touch and stand there. Whereas with um, touch rugby, you have to make a touch and, and retreat seven meters back. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of running backwards, a lot of uh, giving the attack space to play and uh, scan and make good decisions. So this makes the game tactically much different. So tactically, you are thinking you have a different mindset. What would you say would be the the main differences in the mindset, given that you've played normal rugby and touch rugby? I think with um, touch rugby, you you have quite predictable phase. You will, you'll know a touch will be made and the ball will go down and it will happen very quickly. So you can you can play off of that. Uh, in rugby, we, we know um, phase isn't always predictable. Whilst we quite often like quick ball, it doesn't always come. So um, you can't always arrange your attack around that. And, um, and a lot can happen in rucks and, and malls. Uh, so it it's, can slow the game down, whereas Touch rugby is phase after phase after phase, and we like to build momentum or flow uh, to to try and either work defenders offside so they can't retreat quickly enough to, to be onside to make a touch, or we'll pull, pull them apart um, laterally to open up holes in the defence to, to try and score through. So it's a bit like playing playing chess on a rugby pitch. 
So you're trying to manipulate the defenders uh, in the way that, where you play. And it's ultimately a super quick game. So it's bang, 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 phase after phase after phase. So um, what, what sort of skills do you need to be able to be a successful touch rugby player? Oh, you need a good set of lungs on you. <laughs> it's pretty cardio intensive. And, and that's why we do um, in touch rugby, you can have continual subs. Uh, so you can you can sub on and off the pitch at any time. You know, that tactically, you would sub in defence um, generally because uh, then you'd leave, you know, holes in the in the defence. But um, you you can, you know, at the higher levels, you will ha sometimes have teams who are attacking kind of attacking players that will go on and then they'll sub off and a, a group of defensive players will go on. So it can be quite tactical, almost kind of American football in sending on the defence or sending on the attack given the, the kind of uh, position you are on the pitch. So people and, are probably, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. people are probably imagining now what the, trying to imagine what the game looks like. So how do we actually start, how's a game start? So how many again, you have I, on the pitch, number one? Yeah. <laughs> so we have six players, so six aside, but you mm. can have up to 14, 14 in a named team, um, 16 in a squad. And um, you it's on it's played on half of a rugby pitch so at most rugby clubs when you play touch you'd play sideline to sideline on half of a rugby pitch and um the game would start by taking the ball to the middle to the halfway line and place the ball on the ground tap it with your foot pick it up and run and then you're live to play um, and what you're trying to do as as the ball carrier is try and find a gap in the defence to, to get through without being touched and go and score a try. But inevitably, you've got a line of defenders trying to stop you from doing that. So the touch will inevitably happen. Um, and the player, the ball carrier who gets touched will put the ball between their feet on the floor and step over it. And someone else on their team will pick up the ball and pass it off and the game continues. And whilst that's taking place, the player that made the touch and the whole, the whole defensive line will have to retreat seven metres to give the attack space to play. So in essence, it's quite a simple game to play, but it just can become very tactical uh, at the higher levels that you play it at. Now, one of the things uh, I think it's important to understand is that the person who is picking the ball up after the tackle, the, the half, um, they're allowed to do some things, but not others. That's right. There's two special rules that... Um, that relate to the half, uh, the half cannot score. And if the half is touched in possession, um, it's a turnover. So what we would encourage new players to do is to pick up that ball and pass it off straight away. And then the ball is live, um, you're back in the game and, uh, and play continues. So that player isn't like in rugby, you'll have a designated scrum half that's normally there at, at the base of every, every ruck and um, is passing the ball out of the scrum, off line outs, etc. Um, but for touch, it, you don't have a designated half. It's whoever's closest to the ball. And that designated half doesn't necessarily need to clear the ball like a scrum half and throw it to 10 metres like a sharp pass. It's going to be a different sort of pass. This is part of the chess, isn't it? What what sort of passes would they be using? Uh, so um, we, we, we have kind of short balls and long balls. So um, if they're hitting short... If a, you know, if a fellow attacker is hitting short, you'd offer like the short ball and then you could loop around or wrap around and receive the ball again to create an overlap and some space. Or if, um, you know, that, that half has a has a good pass and they can hit a long ball so a, an attacker can run out and try and make make um, take advantage of any space on the outside of, of the defenders. 
So uh, th there's, there's many different passes in touch. Uh, players quite often like to use a long ball as well. So if they can identify that a winger is, is in space, they've like hit, hit a, a zippy long ball and that's uh, quite a, a favourite in the, in the touch world. Now, but the same sort of passes as rugby, they're, they're very similar. Okay, so um, I think some players may think, oh, God, we need to have, everyone needs to be able to fly the ball off the floor, but they don't need to. It's different sorts of passes. Now, the other thing I've seen, you said uh, straight away that you're looking for space, but one of the strange things I've often seen about the touch rugby is that players don't always look for space, they look for a defender. Why is that? Because um, it, touch is, is quite often a game of percentages. You can play touch in many different ways, and, and quite often you know, that comes down to the skill set of your team. If you have a, an incredibly fit team that have excellent handling, you might not want to take touches. You might want to pass the ball out of touches. You can go forwards, you know, in lots of different ways. You can go forwards by stepping people. You can go forwards by by passing for advantage. So, you know, executing your two on ones and, and, and creating space that way. Or you can take the ball forwards by driving it forwards towards the defenders. And one of the advantages of doing that is that you start to gain momentum as as they take, it requires defenders to have to then get back seven metres. So you're driving the ball up the pitch, trying to create momentum. We also refer to it as rucking because it's, it's not too dissimilar from driving the ball up the pitch to try and drive the defence back and get closer to their scoreline. And, and it's about other percentages game because whilst you can step and pass the ball around, sometimes in doing that, you might lose your half, which means that the ball is down on the ground for longer. And whilst the ball is on the ground, the defence are back on side and set. So you have to then work hard again to get them rolling back in defence. So there's there's more than one way to, to do that. But it's not like, say, we watch some rugby touch uh, in training where the, there's not much momentum. You're sort of passing the ball from side to side until you find a gap. Here you're trying to go forward all the time uh, with every every play and try and disorganise the defence. Now, scoring a try is also slightly different, though quite similar. What, what, it doesn't look the same because the players seem to be diving a lot. Just tell me a bit about that. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you can score a try exactly the same as in rugby. It's, um, it is the same, same sort of method, but what you'll find quite often is when, when you're attacking the line, so when you're, when you're in a bit of a line attack stage, the defence can only retreat to the line. They don't have to go past the line. So quite often they'll hit the line and then they'll try and get off the line before you score. So in order to try and get the most advantage out of the situation, as the defence is still trying to get to the line and get onside, you can slide the ball in. We call them slidey dives. So you can slide the ball in. As soon as it touches the try line, it's a score. So it's a bit of a, a foot race between the attacker and the defender. So that's why for line defence, we try and teach defenders to get off the line. So as soon as you make that, as soon as you make the touch and then you get back onside on the line to get off the line to make a touch, because if you're standing on the line, it's hard to get down and make the touch before someone slid the ball in and scored. So we talked, you talked a little bit about uh, 2v1s. Um, now, how much how much does touch training look like rugby training? What, what would be the similarities? I mean, obviously, we would take out the contact and the, the tackle, but the handling skills, is it exactly the same or is it slightly different? Uh, it's, it, it is, it's very similar passes. I mean, you will run... Um, like switch passes, loop passes, uh, the kind of lateral passing, 
is is similar pop pop passing when we're driving we'll be doing like pop passes to really short balls um so a lot of the handling skills are really transferable between both sports and in, and in fact um if i'd played touch I, before i played rugby i think i would have been a much more proficient um handler of the ball because i just have more time on the ball as a touch player uh, whereas in, in rugby i don't have as much i played fullback and wing so i just didn't touch the ball as much in competition time therefore to practice under pressure whereas in touch i'm constantly touching the ball and i think that's um everyone has half skills so everyone has been able to pass the ball off the ground proficiently because everyone has to do it so it's a skill that everyone masters quite quickly in touch now um, another thing about touch rugby is they use a different size ball. Yes, we use a size four ball for touch. Um, it's quite handy for me because I'm small and I have little hands. So it means I can hold the ball in one hand and make a touch with my other hand and get the ball down on the floor quicker. So it's uh, it's quite useful for that purpose. Um, now, why why does it use a size four ball? I mean, does it is that just because it makes it easier for handling? I, I imagine so. Um, it's it is because most um players who play a high level will try and initiate the touch with one hand while simultaneously performing the roll ball with the other hand uh, i imagine for a size five which for most rugby games that would be quite difficult for most players whereas obviously for for, for some of the men uh, they can they could probably handle a, a size five easily but for but for, i guess to make the game inclusive it's a smaller ball so that more people because um, you know, it's played mixed at international level, so I guess that levels the playing field a bit for both the for for all the genders. Now, when uh, when you play mixed touch rugby, which is quite a popular version, how does that work? So, for mixed, um, generally and and certainly at international level, it's three females, three males on the team at um, at um, on on the actual pitch, and then they will sub so that there's the, you keep the same. Um, ratio of male and female on on the pitch and again different teams different tactics some some teams may have the females on the wing and then one female in the link um position so the wingers are the two outside players and then the next two players infield are links and then the next the, the two players infield are middles um as, as you look across the pitch and so the, the the females will generally play wingers and links in the kind of the international version but that's not to say that some females don't play middle it will just depend on the skill set so when you mean link what one can imagine what link means but what is the role of a link i mean wingers we're suggesting are going to be the ones who are going to race off and score tries maybe not be the uh the clever handlers excuse me to all wingers who are listening <laughs> uh, what what is what is the role of the link in the middle then what are they trying to do so um, you're, you're correct, like wingers will, will have the, the better catching skill sets and certainly the diving skill sets um, because they, they are the ones that normally trying to, to slide the ball over the line in the corner. Um, and that, but wingers are also the, the, the communication um, of the team. They will organise quite often the defence, they will call the touches, they will get the, the right defensive shape and they'll control the defence. And um, the links will again it depends on your team's tactics but on on balance links are generally your your more faster dynamic players who've got kind of that step and they'll be the ones who are sent around on strike plays to to step players and to outpace players and um 
and they gen well most most such players have it have a good dive um, at, at a higher level so they'll be the ones to kind of step and or burn someone and, and dive that that agility and your middles tend to be your playmakers they tend to be the ones with the longer passing range um and they will they will tend to set up the plays and you can have maybe a, a strike middle who who runs more of the plays and then a set up middle that will take the ball in and provide a good platform for the for the attacking plays when someone arrives uh, to play touch rugby who's played a lot of rugby what do they struggle with what what do they find hard uh, I think mostly getting the ball on the mark and that's because rugby relies on continuity and, and momentum and breaking the game line and, uh, and and in rugby you can do that through a tiny gap if you've got you know if you're strong and if you um, maybe got a good handoff or you're good at hitting the soft shoulder whereas in touch you can't do that and so rugby players quite often will see a gap that isn't really a gap in touch and so some a defender will just go touch and then they'll their momentum will take them over the mark and then they'll have to come back to the mark to roll the ball um and then that allows time for the defense to get back on side and set and organized again so that's probably the thing i'd say rugby players struggle with the most certainly the thing i struggle with the most as well as as well as getting back on side seven meters i used to play fullback so um, I would struggle with staying in the defensive line. I would quite often drop out of the defensive line to be like a bit of a sweeper, but there's no kicks. So there's not that much benefit of being a sweeper. Although I have seen some teams that do play with a sweeper. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not unheard of. Now, there's a very strange thing that uh, touch players do, which is almost like a handoff, which is to create a touch. Just talk us through what that is. Yeah, so in initiating the touch, um, you don't have to wait for a defender to make a touch on you. If the touch is, is likely to happen, as an attacker, you want that touch to happen on your terms. Um, you don't want a defender to hold you up and slow down the roll ball because that will slow down your attacking team's momentum. So, um, so players will often uh, lower their body almost into a tower of power type position and extend a hand to around kind of the hip thigh area and, and try and get to the side, kick out and try and get to the side of a defender to get a good clean roll ball. Um, and so that the touch on that player happens almost simultaneously with the ball going on the ground. And if, uh, you know, if you're working for your half well, your half's in place to pass it off whilst that attack, whilst that defender who made the touch and potentially others are still offside. So you've got, you've already created um, a mismatch because you've got one player out of the game because they're offside and any touches they make um, won't count. So it's uh, it's it's prudent to get the ball down as quickly as possible, and that's why we try and train players to take to initiate the touch and get that ball down quickly rather than waiting for defenders to make the touch because the risk of that is also that you will overstep the mark if you wait for the defender to make the touch. You want to win the ruck and get the ball down on your terms. So that defender has just made the touch. When are they back in the game? When they're when the referee says so. <laughs> <laughs> when um when when they're back seven meters, which is when the referee says they are. So obviously it's not an exact science, but the refs will often stand roughly where that that seven meter mark is, and they'll call the players back onside. So everyone will have a a number on their back, and they'll say three off or seven off and and then they'll say seven on um when you're back on side so then you know you're you're good to make a touch again 
and you'll have you have three referees for, for higher levels of touch and your sideline referee will be telling you you're offside too if, you, if you've not made it back on side. So even if the main ref, on-field ref, isn't watching you, someone else is. So you can't you can't like just uh, lull around offside. You you have to constantly be moving in a game of touch. Is there room for um, a maverick player, given that you need to have quite an organised play from the touch? Oh, good question. Um, well, you, you often will have wild cards in teams that have um, a certain skill set that maybe others don't. And for touch, that could be like an outrageous step or an outrageous long ball, or um, or that could be a really good playmaker and see things on the pitch that other people people don't. They could have really good vision and read defensive cues really well. Or conversely, they could be an incredible defender and just be really uh, kind of aggressive and energetic and making lots of touches. So I suppose there is there is room for for somebody like that. But I think the, the, the thing with touch is it really is a team game. When you have a team with a good flow and you're all on the same page, it's it's incredible to watch. Uh, it's just it just all it's almost just like, uh, you know, poetry in motion it all works and everyone does their roles well and it and it will culminate in a score and that's that's the beauty of the game that you know you work towards a game plan that everyone understands uh, everyone building their skill set to be able to execute and and similarly in defense you kind of have your defensive policies where everyone knows their role and they're performing it well that's that's the kind of pinnacle of the game really um it's it's harder to play off somebody who's unpredictable because unless they are able to do everything themselves which it's quite hard to do in touch you need to be in the right position to support them so either you need to hit the right lines to and gaps in the defense to support their play or you need to be there to be half so that the ball is not on the ground too long to give the the defense the advantage so Whilst it can work, it generally doesn't work at higher levels just because you need that flow. Brilliant. Right, we've cut to a good route of uh, touch rugby. So Sammy is a current current touch rugby international. Her philosophy is to identify potential in coaches and athletes and support them to maximise their potential and achieve their vision, mission and goals. You can contact her at Sammy, that's Phillips 4 on Instagram. And find out more about England Touch Rugby at www.englandtouch.org.uk. Now, she is the Peter Pan of uh, Touch Rugby, so I shall jump to the next question straight away. What coaching book is by your bedside? It might not be a coaching book. Uh, actually, at the moment, it is a coaching book. Um, so I've got Simplify by Richard Young um, on my bedside table at the moment and I'm about halfway through it. It's a fascinating book on performance systems and just kind of getting all your systems right and in place to uh, to, to optimise performance. So it is a really interesting book about it doesn't kind of matter what you do over here if your foundations aren't right and if your systems have you know got anything in them that needs to be filtered out to be more efficient, uh, That that's what needs to happen first. So it's kind of dealing with all the kind of one percenters before you can hit your, your bigger percenters when it comes to performance so it's it's fascinating and i thoroughly recommend people read it if they work in high performance simplify richard young that's right okay which coach teacher are you loving at the moment uh <laughs> so i mean 
controversially, I'm quite a fan of um, Eddie Jones. And I know... <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many people are saying Eddie Jones. Keep going. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit gutted that he's gone. Um, I, I feel like he will have had a plan and, you know, he's worked towards the ultimate goal, which is the World Cup. And I feel like it's really difficult in this day and age to be able to test out anything because everything's driven by performance and results. And I feel like he... I know he's had time, but he's also he's also a, like a high um, he's like in the seventies in terms of his successes, with, you know, for England, and he's also um, he is in terms of seventy percent success rate, and he's also um, pro, like produced some of the best performances I've ever seen players playing in England shirt. That game against New Zealand in the semi-finals of the Rugby World Cup was quite possibly the best game I've ever seen England play and he's managed to produce that and it's it's not a fluke he's he has he he will work towards the bigger picture and for him that revolves around the World Cup that's what that's the big one for him and I feel like you know he 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 would have been working towards that and I think it's a shame that he maybe wasn't given that one more chance okay which team sports subject would you love to coach at the moment I'm getting more and more fascinated by American football at the moment, and I, um, I've i been taking more of an interest in this. I think because of some of the similarities with touch, with the um, like the offensive teams and defensive teams, and uh, just how some of their... I, I love the the playbook and and the, the work that goes into that. So I'm, I'm becoming quite um, a bit of a... a a scholar of American football at the moment and trying to see what I can pinch from it. <laughs> Who's inspired you most? Um, I think as a coach, probably Sir Clive Woodward. Um, I read his book Winning and I read that just before I took over as um, head coach of England Senior Women and it, it, was, it, it really helped uh, as a bit of a blueprint for the campaign that I um, that I ran for that for that uh, World Cup in Australia in 2015, and um, and I think just his methods um, and his methodical like detail, his treating you know everything like professionally like a business, and um, and making sure that there was that buy-in consensus, like constant communication and um, and like personal growth individually within a team as well as the team itself i i've really kind of bought into and i, I like his philosophy and I, I think he was you know obviously a very good coach for england and, and he probably is, has has inspired me as a coach the most and influenced me as a coach the most through kind of that book and i did have the, the pleasure of meeting him and to discuss a few like tactical things before and, and he was you know, it didn't let me down. He was, he was good in person, uh, just like, you know, I would have expected from reading his book and seeing um, him on TV, etc. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And what would you tell your 20-year-old self to do more of? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I kind of left the, the women's rugby game um, when I was 21, 22, um, and uh, just kind of before it all got professional. So I think I would have said, stick around in rugby as well. <laughs> um, I, I, I went and played touch, but I think some of that was to do with, it, it just was less of a commitment around the, my career at the time. And, um, and whereas play, being a rugby player, I'm not 
big physically by nature so I had to work out a lot in the gym to to be able to be an effective rugby player and um and I think I kind of picked what I felt would be a more of a lifestyle choice as well as um something I was getting more into at that time but I think I would have maybe had a word with myself and got got my rugby boots back on too and hung in there to see if I could actually carve out a career as a professional athlete (laughs) (laughs) Sammy that's been brilliant thank you very much and uh, best of luck with uh, all the England touch stuff thank you very much nice to talk to you